The Tuffle Commute, Season 5, Episode 4, in which Sean and I are joined by a special guest to talk all about film and video. Let's get started. Hi, Lindsay. Hey, Sean. How's it going? I'm all right. How are you? Ah, good, good, good. Excited for today's episode. Yeah, I am as well. Uh, before we get stuck into it, though, I think we should mention a couple of people who've taken their time to uh, to reply to us on Facebook of late. Uh, first oh, of all, yeah. Is... Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think Zdeniek, uh, Zdeniek Lukash uh, from the Czech Republic, who seems to be a bigger board game geek than us, he keeps... Uh, We've got an open invite to play uh, to play board games if we're ever in Prague or when we're next in Prague. We'll uh, definitely so take that for, up. Thank you for joining in that one. And, and and Lawrence Whiteside, I think it was, who commented on the who gave us a difference between an online and a printed dictionary. As in, he can make notes in a printed dictionary, but he can't in an online dictionary, which I thought was something we probably did overlook um, when that's, we were having our discussion. That's um, also true. That's also true. Well, thank you very much to uh, both of those people who commented and took the time. Okay, should we crack on with today's episode then? All right, cool. Um, today's episode, we uh, we wanted to do something. A few uh, seasons ago, a bunch of us got together and watched um, Dead Poet Society. And then we had a roundtable discussion about it. And it made us think that we wanted to do more on the whole topic of film and video. And uh, so we've been researching and wanting to do this episode for a while. And we were lucky enough to be able to invite as a guest on the show, who better to talk about it than someone who knows an awful lot about um, film and video, Ben Goldstein, who's the oh, author of... <laughs> Thank you. But Ben is, uh, in addition to being a course book writer, is also the author of um, two books for uh, two very well-known books for teachers uh, in the Cambridge Handbook series. One is called Working with Images, and the other one, more of um, a concern to us today, is Language Learning with Digital Video, which he co-authored with Paul Driver and which won the English Speaking Union Award this year. Last year, was it, Ben? Yeah, well, it was last November for, yeah, last yeah. year, I guess. Mm -hmm. Last year, as well as being nominated for all the other awards. So welcome to the show, Ben. Thanks for joining us. Thanks very much, Lindsay. Thanks, Joan. It's a pleasure to be here. No, thank you. Thank you for joining us. I've got a, I've got a question to begin with. It was just purely because I don't know if you saw last week on the internet. There was lot, there were lots of things about words that have gone out of use, and one of the words that um, think, we're talking about uh, film, video, and images, and all those same things. So one of the words that's gone out of use is cassette. Um, so do you still talk about cassette? Uh, the reason I ask is because I still tape a movie, even though I've got a high you know digital recorder book. I, I still say, oh, I need to remember to tape a movie, and um, which is a kind of cassette related thing. So do you? still say cassette <laughs> um I, I think well i'm not sure i still refer to to them but I've, I've still got plenty of them sort of collecting dust under my bed or whatever around the uh, around the house but yeah that that's interesting the whole thing of um tape and cassette how that's uh you know uh people still refer to recording in that way but um yeah. it, we need the we need the icons to change as well don't we in the in uh, for, for the, uh, guess, the little floppy yeah. the little floppy disk is still the icon in uh, Lindsay <laughs> are you a cassette man or, or um, you, uh... no i well i recently did 
ditch a whole bunch of uh, <gasps> video cassettes. We got rid of a whole bunch of uh, VHS video cassettes. Um, and I don't, so I don't suppose I say it that much, but I do say record, even oh, okay. though things like, you know, I've got an episode recorded when I'm really like, it's going to be streamed now. So I, I kind of still get a bit confused with that terminology. It's funny yeah. though, isn't it? How it's, it's kind of how this influences has influenced language. It's like I think, um, it, well, actually, it's, we've got Ben here because I mean, one of the when I first saw Ben talk about films and images, he was talking about the history of of uh, of that in ELT, which is obviously something you know a lot about. I guess the word cassette fits into that in a reflection of how things have changed uh, in, in how we use film uh, and video in language teaching, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those are the first the first VHS um, cassettes I used were the first sort of publisher made ones. Uh, I think it was Grapevine was the first series uh, that I used, published by Oxford, and uh, that was very typical of the of the of the genre uh, at the time, which was these very. Um, I don't know how many of the listeners will remember Grapevine. Of course, you have to be of a certain age to remember <laughs> uh, those series, but they were these kind of comedy sketches, weren't they? Um, that's right. Very that's right. Profe- very professionally directed. Uh, I actually did a bit of research. They were made by Peter and Karen Viney. Well, that was the idea behind them, the concept. But they were directed, actually, by a guy called Bob Spears, who used to direct things like Forty Towers and Dad's Army and stuff like you know. So it was wow. um, okay. Yeah, and that said it all. I think that says it all for how ELT video was perceived at the time. We're talking so early nineties, aren't we? Oh, late eighties, early nineties when I first started teaching. In fact. And it, it really was kind of the kind of comedy, the comic sketch kind of idea. Um, uh, Dennis Cook comes to mind. I don't know if you remember <laughs> him, Sean. A day, a day in the life <laughs> of Dennis <laughs> Cook, I think, is... Yeah. Well, let's see if we... Hold on. Do we have, Sean, a little clip of that? Oh, I think we could probably just... find a little bit of it. Hang on. A day in the life of Dennis Cook. Dennis Cook lives at 23 Primrose Avenue. Dennis is 37 and he's married. His wife, Trisha, is 34. Dennis usually wakes up at 7 o'clock. So uh, 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 it's funny, actually, you just said a day in life with Dennis Cook is the same, because obviously in the Grapevine videos, it was the same kind of ensemble cast changing changing around. But when you mentioned it was directed by Ben Spears, because there's also the episode, I think it's called Chips With Everything, um, which, which is actually very Manuel-like, um, thinking of the Faulty Towers. Uh, exactly, uh, absolutely. Uh, I remember the waiter who, you know, and he, you know, he was just kind of filthy and like yeah. put his bars of, you know, put his bars of flowers on the table, kind of like there's and everything was off wasn't it on the menu it was just chips chips yeah. that was all yeah. that was available yeah <laughs> steaks off we haven't got any all right could we have two chicken please chickens off i see have you got any fish <clears throat> what have you got egg and chips hot dog and chips sausage and chips hamburger and chips spaghetti and chips bolognese Hey, here was another here's another question Ben you're talking about a history of video in ELT so obviously we, you're, we're talking here about cassettes but were there ELT videos like before like in reel to reel film things do you think do, or did you find any I I think there must have been but I I hadn't I tried there was the BBC series follow me that was also a video that was before that was pre uh grapevine and and Dennis okay. and all that kind of thing um and I think that was a, that was the mid '80s. Um, but no, that's, that would be a very interesting research 
um, project to do, to go back further um, uh, and find real-to-real -real stuff. But the, the, as far as the first video course yeah. that, I, that I found, uh, well, at least British video, British English video course was the BBC's Follow Me, which also had a bit of everything, but it did have an awful lot of these kind of comedy sketches. Uh, it had Francis yeah, the, Matthews the, the, in it, who was another well-known sort of presenter at the time. And the style of these videos were very much, you're right, they're very much a comedy sketch and a sort of the British 1970s, 1980s. It reminds me of kind of things like the Two Ronnies and and other, or, or the Goon Show, or maybe not as crazy as that, but even like the same kind of style as Monty Python, kind of the, like little clips all from different, you know, you might be two people talking in a shop and then the next clip would be something else. And so yeah, very much a similar style. I, I don't recall follow follow me. I don't, I just I just I'm, I'm sat here with my other computer, and it says follow me was uh, was uh, has been viewed by over one hundred million people. That's yeah, I mean it was incredibly it was incredibly popular. I think it was a little bit before our time. I mean, in, in terms of uh, classroom use, I don't think it. I mean, you know, it wasn't packaged like you know by a ELT publisher. It was the BBC. So I think it was given you know like those. Um, it was it was sold as a kind of uh, supplement, or it was sold on, on in kiosks and things like that. It didn't. It wasn't distributed in the same way. I think it wasn't necessarily used that much in the classroom, but for self study, uh, for more. And um, but yeah, I analyze in my talk the history of video. Uh, I analyze a scene from there, and it's all RP. You know, it's it's uh, it's unbelievable, and it's all display language. So the, you know, the only focus for the only purpose really for watching the video is is is. Uh, to practice this language, which the, which these actors are modelling rather artificially, I'm laughing because I can see the episode yeah. list, and there apparently yeah. there are sixty episodes, and I, I think episode episode nine is something we need to practice. So episode nine is called "Have you got any wine?" <laughs> yeah, they, oh god, no, it's fantastic in that respect. I mean, they're, they're drinking and smoking all the time. There's a lot of sexual innuendo. Innuendo, you know, this it's, it's, a lot of it. It's, not it's really hardcore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hardcore. No, there would be yeah. no hard, way that you'd get that that through, uh, you know, sort of the filters no, today, no. I guess. Can you imagine I mean, that? Hang no, on, hang no. on. Let's uh, see if I can play a clip in. Hang on. Oh yes, he's gone to the cinema. Oh, yes. He's at the cinema. Where's John? He's not at home. He's not at home. So I wonder if, I wonder if, you know, there was a change, wasn't there, uh, Ben, that we had these videos like like that were written especially for ELT. So you've got things like um, the, the the Grapevine Dennis Cook, the Follow Me, and other courses would have done their own ones writing the material. But there, there then begins to come a, a switch, doesn't there, when publishers start wanting to go for authentic video. So everything like like gaining access to big video archives from different channels back like their back catalog and stuff when when does that start happening and is that the world we're in now do you think that their publishers are still making their own videos or is it more now all just authentic yeah no that's 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 very true i think people got a bit tired of the i mean the students got tired of watching programs that had just been specifically made for them and then this whole issue of authenticity uh you know the you know it became such a buzzword uh and how, however you know uh 
discredited that 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 term is these days, or you know, is questioned the whole notion of authenticity. Certainly, sort of in the mid '90s, and that's when I suppose the end of the '90s is when I first started writing course book material, and I we incorporated with Framer, which was the first course book series we produced. We, we incorporated Reuters. We had an agreement with Reuters news agency, and we incorporated authentic video reports then. And that was the time, I think, from the mid-90s onwards. That, um, and that hasn't really changed, actually, in, in 20 years. I mean, still, still uh, publishers are kind of um, supplementing. Well, they're very much, from, from a Reuters point of view, they're very much, they seem to be very much enthrall to a source of authentic video, because that would be the big deal. So, for example, it doesn't mean that it's, I'm, I'm not criticizing these or anything but for example the um national geographic you know was all about the send gauge publishing was all about the nat geo and then their recent one was all about getting their hands on the ted talks so that everything so the video leads everything else which is what is interesting about those other videos before was that the language or the course or whatever led and the video followed but, but, I, find, but, I, but I, see it's a, I see it's another difference as well though i mean like when we go back to those great with those grapevine videos um which um, I know we talk about authenticity, but I would watch those videos uh, for pleasure because they were funny. But that's by the by. Those were those were almost like they were video courses. Where nowadays isn't isn't video just being part of the normal course book rather than being being the supplement? And it, so it's used in a very different way. I mean, the Grapevine videos were, were lessons were, were lessons on their own that that, uh, that, uh, that went along with with Streamline and the other books that were that were out at the time. Whereas now you're talking about the video being part of the actual course because we've gone to this kind of more multimodality level, haven't we? That's right. I mean, the those those are also it's to do with the role of video. I mean, when Grapevine uh, came up, when yeah, that when Grapevine appeared along with others. Um, it was very much seen as light entertainment. You know, this was something that was funny, something you did on a Friday afternoon, you know? Yeah, uh, and that's it was true. Not it was not integrated. It was associated with television, watching telly. And, and so it wasn't integrated, as you say, Sean, into your course book material. You put your course book away and you watched a, a, a silly video, you know? Um, and although uh, publishers are attempting to integrate, uh, whether it's Discovery on, on Nat Geo or TED Talks, I still think, um, talking to teachers, uh, you know, in different countries, which I do about video quite often, and I still think they don't truly see it as integrated into. It's still like a, an extra for them. Okay. And, yeah. Um, it's, it's like it's like everybody can put agree. the books away. Yeah. 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 And uh, I think that maybe to do with the fact that in some some countries, some classes around the world. It isn't that easy. I've just been to Morocco for work, for, and I asked, I asked for a show of hands with you know, teachers there, and it was only a small percentage, and these were secondary and adult teachers, uh, in, um, you know, in adult and secondary segment. And uh, they, you know, not all of them by any means could use video on a daily basis, let alone on a weekly basis. And so I think there's, a, there's I think the publishers are reluctant to completely incorporate video, integrate video into the sort of... Um, main body of a course book or series because they f simply because um, many teachers can't actually take advantage of that uh, yeah. resource. Yeah, yeah, that's always been a an issue. I um, just find it, it's one of these things about the, the way we talk about video, they've gone from being, um, I, I don't know if I actually preferred it when it was when it was seen as the old, the kind of like the Friday afternoon entertainment because the videos were funny and these days we've got very serious things like well, yeah, talks, okay. Reuters ter and all that. Terribly <laughs> earnest videos, that was the yes. problem as well. As I like, I mean, I we did a, 
when we did a, a course book that I was working on called Global, we had both. We had the BBC videos and specially written for the course videos. And in uh, fact, we thought that the BBC videos would be the most popular ones. But it turned out the teachers preferred the other kind of silly tongue-in-cheek ones. Right. But which this then, is kind of, yeah, I did the same for uh, course book. It was just like there were so the, the videos were so dull, and you're like, and you know, you're trying as a materials writer, you're trying to write activities to go along with the video. <laughs> I think it's a very interesting point you make there, Lindsay, because I think that has, and what and students kind of recognize a kind of or they have a more authentic response, you know, to the the publisher made videos, the box pop style, than yep. those kind of authentic than the authentic videos made by, you know, um, Nat Geo or BBC or whatever. And that's why the vox pop has survived as this as yeah. the I think that genre um, depending, it could be just straight face to camera, or it could be like you included in global, for example, that kind of thing, which sounds a bit more experimental. But that really has um, survived, and I think that's yep. because students can see these the people as kind of I like to think of them as kind of sympathetic role models. You know, these are uh, as long as they're not speaking, as long as they're not just native speakers speaking, you know, ridiculous RP or whatever. Um, but they've got kind of international English there. Um, I think they they really are uh, they really are. Um, much more. There's a big difference, shall we say, between um, having video vox pops than just having that on audio. Seeing the person talking and then that yeah. acting as a model for your own output. And I think that that that's why it survived the that that particular genre. And now, of course, it's even more relevant because of the um, because of the video blog and the idea that just of course, the camera, of course, yeah, we've moved, we've moved away completely now, I think, or we're starting to move away. I say we're, we're moving, but perhaps that's, uh, I'm sensing now that finally the publishers are beginning to abandon this idea of this media kind of, um, you know, um, agreements with big media organizations and actually want something a bit rawer, a bit edgier, a bit more homemade because that echoes the whole YouTube generation. And so include video blog, material which students can then watch and replicate i think that is, is kind of where we might be going in the future it's interesting because i was uh, i was rereading your language learning with digital video book uh the other day and in the introduction you and paul were talking about uh and i think I, let me just find the sentence you say there's an increasing need now in th these days for uh teaching activities based on video and moving images and when you say that's because of this kind of move into a more visual world is that why why you think it's more important? Because, I mean, video and film has been used for quite a while in teaching now. But so to say that we should focus more on it now is perhaps, is that is that the growing need for kind of visual literacy, would you say? Yeah, because so we, I mean, we communicate so much now via video and, and our, our learners perhaps possibly even more so, certainly teenage learners. I mean, this is the way they interrelate. This is the way they interact with each other. And so we kind of owe it to them to kind of in, incorporate it more because of that and i think the secret is um you know is is by exploiting these kind of new genres these new kind of youtube video blog genres of which which you know which are appearing all the time and and which students respond to very well often uh, okay. as model, models for their own um their own videos that, that, that provides the link between that provides the link between uh, you, you spoke about visual literacy, Sean, but that provides the link between exploiting video and creating video. When we started writing that book, we, we, we thought it was going to be 70 percent exploiting video, 30 percent creating video. And then by the end of the writing process, it was more or less 50 50 as we kind of well, as both of us, I think, sensed that, that the creating part was going to become more and more important. We'll pick that up in a moment.
Um, yeah, let's uh, let's take a quick break now. When we come back, I think I'd like to talk about uh, another issue that uh, Ben has addressed in his talks before that we found fascinating, which was the the role of teachers or in in as portrayed in Hollywood and in film. So we'll be right back with that. Hello, chaps. Hey, how's it going, James? You let him have the mic again. <laughs> yeah, here I am. I just thought I'd pop in and say hi in the middle of the episode. Uh, I was wondering if you've heard about a thing called uh, Tripod. Isn't that something... Uh, I, I heard about it on, on another podcast. It's like where people recommend uh, recommend things to listen to. Is that right? Yeah, yeah I so think I've seen it on Twitter. Is that where it is? Yeah, so basically it's the, uh, the podcast community coming together to recommend uh, podcasts to each other, uh, to their listeners, because... Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, we we love podcasts, right? So, um, but there's a lot of people out there who don't really know a lot about podcasting. So the idea is that we can try and recommend some podcasts, and hopefully people can recommend some to people they know as well. So I thought it would be a nice idea, as we're such big podcast fans, for for us to find out um, podcasts that uh, you would recommend to our listeners. Alternatively, sure. isn't this where we just grab people's devices and make them and, uh, and subscribe them to Tefl Commute? So well, of course, they're, they're, that, for, that's, they're forced to listen to it. That's the, that's the best thing our <laughs> listeners could do. But uh, yes, but maybe you could recommend something for our listeners. So, uh, Lindsay, is there a podcast you'd like to recommend? Oh wow, there are so many. Um, let me let me see. I think one of the podcasts that I listened to recently that really um, that I really enjoyed was a fictional podcast. Uh, it was a podcast. Um, play called life after and um it was a thriller in 10 episodes <clears throat> about a uh, a guy at the fbi called ross and he spends his days sort of uh talking online via his headset with his wife charlie who died eight months ago i won't say anything more about it because it's fascinating it's really well acted, great sound production, uh, nice kind of bite sized 45 minute episodes, perfect for uh, going to and from work. I know it's not an English language teaching related one, but um, it really had me hooked from beginning to end. And I thought it was something interesting done with the medium that I hadn't heard before. So that's my recommendation Tripod Life After by GE Podcast Theater and Panoply. Okay, great recommendation. Thanks, Lizzie. What about you, Sean? Well, um, that's that, that's really great because I love audio. Uh, I really like this fact that the audio podcasts are developing in this kind of play way rather than mm -hmm. like conversations with us. However, um, like Lin like Lindsay, I listen to to one like you. I listen to so many; it's really difficult. So what I thought I would do is go f and try and champion two. Uh, and I said two, yes, two that are uh, probably deserve promoting because I think they do what we do. We we do this as a, like our hobby and it's a bit of fun and hope that people listen. So I'm going to stay with VLT. I happen to be teaching somebody on one of my online courses at the moment, a teacher. And in the introduction, we both kind of said, oh, we both do podcasts. Uh, and I found out that Martin Johnson, who, uh, as I say, is, is one of my on one of my development courses, makes a podcast called Rock and Roll English, which is uh, for students. And I mean, given, I, I don't know where he finds time knowing how much time we put into commute to do it but he's got 17 episodes and, and they're, they're, they're like discussion episodes but he creates material for the students to listen to um the whole idea is for them to for students to download and listen to them and improve their english uh, and i just really like the effort that's been put into it the, the website's great the podcast is, is really quite interesting some interesting episodes and it's a free little resource so that's one i'm recommending and the second one is a completely different one what i also like in podcasts is, is music as i um unlike 
like um, like funky house and that kind of stuff and chill out house and an old teacher training uh, colleague in front of mine years ago called Tim Hazel who lives in Poland he is quite a well known DJ around these parts and he's uh, I think he, if I remember rightly he's called DJ Hayes and on SoundCloud you can find his mixes as podcasts so they're my two uh, you weren't expecting that one, were you? There Was you not well, indeed, but very nice. No. Yeah, what well, a nice, interesting collection of uh, of different types of podcasts, which shows people the range of podcasts that are available, right? What about yeah, you, James? Yeah. Do you have one? Uh, yeah, actually, I'm going to mention a podcast called uh, Short Films Teachers Love. Uh, I think that's a really interesting podcast that our do listeners you know, would enjoy. Really? Really? Yeah, There's a yeah, podcast I, do, I yeah. listen to, so I'm just trying to think why you might recommend it. Indeed, well, I was also asking myself the question, Sean, do you think it could be because James featured on this podcast? I suspect that's why he's getting a little mention, yes. Well, <laughs> but t- but tell it, us about it anyway. Yes, yes. Um, uh, uh, Richard uh, Lee is a producer in, uh, in Australia, and uh, uh, the he's just come back for season two of the podcast, and uh, yeah, as it happens, I am the guest on the first episode uh, of the new season. But he uh, he talks about um, uh, talks to different teachers around the world, not just English language teachers, but teachers of all kinds of subjects uh, about short films they like to use in the classroom. So if you listen to my episode, you can hear three of my recommendations. And then uh, there are lots of uh, back episodes where you can go and find out more short films that you'll find useful. And it's a really well-produced podcast. It's really, I, I really tell good. you what, I, mean, I know how much you um, fascinate yourself about sound when you're putting our podcast together. But the sound, uh, what he does on his is really interesting. I just... Uh, I, mean, I think we listen to podcasts both for enjoyment and and to see how other people make their podcasts, and I really like the quality of it on his podcast. And I think it ties nicely into this episode as well. This actual the hour temple commute episode. Short Absolutely, yeah. of course, it's not a coincidence, right? I, it's all planned out, Sean. It's all planned out. Ah, oh, the master plan. See why you're the producer, eh, James? Excellent. <laughs> well, right, should we go so. back? Should we go back to the podcast? Yeah, yeah, let's go back to it. Tripod, everybody. Okay, welcome back, everybody. This is the TEFL Commute, a podcast for language teachers that's not about language teaching, but the subject will come up always. And uh, we're joined today, Sean and I are joined today by Ben Goldstein, and we've been talking about um, video. We went down memory lane and talked a lot about uh, videos um, that were written for uh, language courses versus authentic videos that are used in language courses. But I wanted to switch over to another topic that I know Ben knows quite a bit about. I mentioned at the top of the show that we had done an, uh, an episode, an entire episode on rewatching Dead Poet Society uh, 20 years after it had been released to see if it still held up. And Dead Poet Society is one of like the uber films of the English teacher in popular culture. But Ben, you've spoken about uh, numerous other cultural uh, cultural images for English teacher or, or teachers in general. I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about um, uh, what the stereotypes or common tropes are of teachers and, and particularly English teachers maybe in, in films, if we could talk about that a bit. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think uh, John Keating, as you said, in Dead Poet Society is, is the most quoted teacher of all time, cinematic teacher of all time. You know, the Captain, my Captain, and what will your verse yeah. be, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And and as I said, you and as you said, you've spoken about this, but I think it is really important because he, as as a figure, he really does establish uh, this very kind of charismatic um, screen teacher. Uh, there's another film which is which. 
is almost a kind of a copy, but from the, the female uh, teacher's point of view. I don't know if you've seen Julia Roberts in Mona Lisa's Smile, but it's... Um, no, I've heard of it. Or not. No, see, yeah, it does. Sean, do you know it? Oh, I know the film. I've never seen it, but I, do, yeah. I know what the film is, yeah. I'll see if we can find a clip. Today you just listen. What will the future scholars see when they study us? A portrait of women today? The perfect likeness of a Wellesley graduate, magna cum laude, doing exactly what she was trained to do. It's interesting to compare them because they're virtually identical. They're both established, they're both set in these very privileged environments in the 1950s. The students are highly conservative, very spoiled. Um, and the teachers are kind of trying to do something different, trying to sort of rebel against the system, against the curriculum and so on. Um, but it's interesting as well that they are, um, they challenge the status quo to a certain extent. Um, but if you actually look at them as teachers, uh, it's all about them. It's not about the learners at all. And it's, uh, and again, as models, I think they represent very complex um, figures for, for teachers. Uh, it's very, it would be virtually impossible for us to be as charismatic as them in the classroom and, and probably not, uh, and probably could be counterproductive, you know. The I think that's that, definitely, you know, yeah. Yeah, we on, definitely yeah. thought that. We found that when we were watching, yeah. you know, Mr. Mr. Keating and, and Dead Poet Society, we were thinking, yeah. God, what a teacher-centered class. I mean, it's yeah. it's all about and standing him on the, and... Standing on the table, you know? I mean, yeah, yeah, getting yeah. them to stand on the table. Um, that, so that's one that's one characteristic. And and uh, as I said, Dead Poet Society, Mona Lisa Smile sort of reflect that, that side. The other side, the other um, sort of characteristic of screen teachers, the sort of the Sydney Poitier into Sir with Love, um, which uh, I don't know if that's a film. I mean, that's from the 1960s, um, and that's kind of, if you dig a bit deeper uh, in those kinds of, if you sort of analyze it, look, critique a little bit those figures. Um, what's interesting about these teachers is they didn't actually want to be teachers. Um, so they actually, the profession is kind of undermined, uh, interestingly. He, uh, Sidney Poitier in that film, he, he couldn't find him. He wants to be an engineer, but he ends up being a teacher. And of course, he ends up loving it. But that's not what he really wants to be. Uh, and I think that's also revealing that teaching is kind of, the, the profession is kind of somewhat, um, you know, as, is not considered like a proper profession. And the same thing is true many years later. There's a film, film called Freedom Writers, Julia Roberts. Um, ah, again. Yeah. Is it Julia Roberts again as a teacher again? Okay. I think it yeah. Is. I think it is, isn't it? Or maybe, perhaps, I think it is. You She's continue, and I'll, I'll do the I'll Yeah, do the you check it. But teaching him, I, yeah, I haven't got my notes with me, but um, she's, she teaches immigrants in the... Hilary Swank, sorry. Yeah, Hilary Swank. Hilary Swank. Writers, and and uh, she okay. teaches these immigrants in the US. But she wants, again, she wants to be a lawyer, uh, and she she ends up doing this job, you know, because she couldn't find anything else. And her parents were not happy with her being a teacher. Isn't that also there's isn't that the same trope that's used a little bit in Dangerous Minds with Michelle Pfeiffer, who's originally a Marine and she's kind of like going to teach now in a in a in a poor neighborhood? Wasn't that's it right. that? That's yeah. I mean also I mean there's so many things to talk about here, but what's interesting about these kinds of films, Dangerous Minds, Freedom Writers, So with Love, is that they're of course they're the opposite to that Dead Poet Society, because they're the student in, in these ones, in these films like Freedom Writers, the students are very you know, they come from very difficult backgrounds, but it's very conflictive, you know, the, the whole, uh, you know, and, and the teacher is there to sort of try to, you know, 
turn them around. Whereas with yeah. in Dead Poets Society, of course, they're very posh and very privileged and so on. So again, you, do, you tend to have these extremes. You either have classrooms where, where the kids are, you know, <laughs> or, you know, uh, very, have a lot of problems and there's very complex backgrounds and so on. Or you have these very you have these very privileged uh, kids, and there's nothing there's nothing very nothing's very lifelike. I mean, nothing nothing is really like it's it's always pushed to so an extreme. extreme. But I guess both. Yeah. But it's like the Hollywood element that it's got to be pushed. To yeah, an I guess so. Because, because yeah. And also, the, the the teacher is always the protagonist who saves everybody. It's like a very individualist, great man, great woman kind of you know. It's thanks to that one teacher who's turned their lives around. But there, there is a couple of things in what you said there. there. There's a couple of elements. You did say, you know, that people fall into teaching and teaching not being taken seriously. That's that's two things that are often thrown at the, at the private language part of English language teaching, isn't it? You know, the, the, well, I fell into teaching by accident, really. And I think many of us have. So the kind of, there is a similarity there. Yeah, that's true. But it's it's kind of the, 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 the I don't know, that somehow it's not considered as a sort of proper profession. And then these, yeah. these teachers are often criticized by by their peers or by their family. The other interesting thing about Hilary Swank, which I think is, is in, in that film, is that she uh, sacrifices everything for her teachers. She has a very unhappy personal life. So she gives everything for her teachers, which again is not a positive role model for, for, for teachers to see. You know, teaching uh, obviously, yeah, yeah. Of, yeah, you know, and I think that's also very important that, you know, she gives too much of her life and to the, cl to the class and, and then her private life suffers. And a lot of these teachers... A lot of these screen teachers have very unhappy lives out of the classroom. That's, That's true. Doesn't doesn't John Keating? Isn't he separator yes. or something? Or the, yeah, mm. even Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting, where um, he kind of reprises the teacher role, Robin Williams. He's also suffering, like his wife has died, and oh, he's sort gosh, of yeah. yeah uh, and so yeah, deeply unhappy. I hadn't thought of that trope as like the unhappy personal life teacher. You know, they're not. That's that's true. Interesting. Hey, if is there is there um, do you think? Well, there doesn't seem to be apart from Dead Poets Society, which was about English literature. Is there any? Are there any films about um, uh, English language teaching or a TV show about English language teaching? And do you think there could be like a good feature <laughs> film about ELT? And if if so, my next question is: Who would play the ELT teacher? Ah, oh, well, that's. <laughs> That's a well. I will say. I will say one thing that I haven't found a very any English. Well, not that I can think of a very good example. There's, but there is a wonderful example though. A great film uh, about a French language teacher. Have you? I don't okay. know if either of you have seen La. Cla well, I think it's called in French. Excuse my pronunciation. In the Entre les Murs. Uh, Entre les Murs. The, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. Yeah. Oh, it's a wonderful film. I mean, if you want to see a positive, uh, well, I think an excellent model uh, as a language teacher, it's in that that film. Um, there's actually a wonderful. Basically, it's different. It's different kind of context because um, uh, it's a French teacher in inner city uh, Paris teaching immigrants. So they're, they're, it's their second language in many cases, and. Um, but it's it's it really is a kind of close up um, analysis of what the day to day routine of being in a classroom is. And there's this okay. wonderful scene. There's this wonderful scene in it where he starts. He, he has like, you know, he's doing teaching a grammar lesson, and then he uh, he's teaching like the, imp the imperfect subjunctive or something like that. And 
And then the class starts saying, hang on a minute, but I've never heard this before. I've never heard this tense before. Why are you teaching us this tense? This is, you know. <laughs> and he big, and instead of it being, instead of it being, instead of being, it sounds like it's too confrontational, but in actual fact, there's this fantastic dialogue that then emerges. So it's a perfect kind of dogma scene, a dogma ELT oh, wow. scene. Uh, um, and, and, <laughs> and, and they start, they start talking and he starts, he starts sort of, um, yeah, having this dialogue about language I and mean, there's nothing better and there's nothing better in a language classroom is there than having students a real authentic about, dialogue about, about language yeah yeah and so of all, all the films you've mentioned wonderful. ben which is the one that yeah. i should download from itunes tonight and have a little watch of which that is the one, first one i should start with that one. i mean that uh, that's fantastic i think it's called the class in, in i think they just translated it as the class in the class right. class in english entre les mots yeah in french Okay, let's just take a, a quick break and then we'll come back for our final segment. Producer James here with a quick message to say thank you for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to show your support for the show, then you can help us in just a minute and it won't cost you a thing. Think of a friend or colleague you know, someone who you think would enjoy listening to the program and send them an email or a message to let them know about us. With your help, we can reach even more teachers. Okay, on with the show. So um, we're just we're back after the break. Uh, just before we were just before the break, we were talking about whether there should be a uh, whether there could be an English language teaching TV show. I just reminded me that when we were when I used to work as a full time kind of CELTA tutor, we all, and it was kind of the height of the things like The Office and those kind of fly on the wall documentaries. And we always felt that you know the four week CELTA course was primed. You know that four week teaching course would be perfect for for. Yes. Uh, a fly in the wall kind of documentary program to actually show what, what things. Oh, like. totally, totally. That's <laughs> yeah. Luke Weddings used to call that course the beers and tears course, and definitely <laughs> you get all the good-looking young Americans there over learning to be teachers in London or something like that or Barcelona. Yeah, there's a soap opera. Oh there's a soap opera yeah. in every soap opera. Yeah, oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> or, so or have we one also... in Brazil. Yeah, that would be awesome. We, we posed the question of who would who would we get to play the ELT teacher, but I think. I think that might take us into slightly dangerous ground. So we'll leave that one open for, for listeners to comment on. Um, I, I would just like to go back to something that we talked about at the beginning of the, of uh, kind of in the first segment of the podcast, and then we'll, we'll bring it to an end, because it's, it's fascinated by the discussion. I'm sure we could keep it going for ages. But um, just before kind of the, the uh, early break, we kind of, we got close to sort of mentioning YouTube. And Ben was talking about in when he was writing the book, he said, uh, we thought it was going to be more about exploit. I'm, I'm kind of misquoting you, Ben, so I do apologize. More about exploiting and then and then into into creating. But it did it did make me think. I mean, are we getting to that point where you know basically YouTube is the future and students making their own video might actually be the video that we use in class? Is that where we are going? I would like to think so. I, I mean, and I, I'm I'm working with different publishers and uh, on on video components. You know, that have been for years, and I can I can even sense that the you know the editors kind of <laughs> are beginning to see this kind of sea change uh, taking place. And um, I think I think the problem is that still for the the published material, they, they, in order to kind of sell it in terms of marketing, they need some kind of logo to stick on the you know uh, right. and. Uh, 
uh, and this means, therefore, that there's still some light. I was thinking about what I said earlier, you know, whether they kind of these, these tie-ins with media groups, whether that's whether it's going to end or not, or whether we're going to go for publishers actually packaging courses with more, let's say, YouTube-style uh, videos. But um, I do think that the what's interesting, you mentioned visual literacy before, and I think actually... I don't really see much sense in teaching visual literacy, but it's part of a language course. I think our learners are actually very visually literate, or most of them are very visually literate anyway. It's just tapping into the visual literacy that they uh, possess already, if you see what I mean, by, by kind of showing, showing these kind of new genres. I, and for want of video blog, for want of a better category, I think that, that kind of sums up this... These kind of these different kinds of face-to-camera video blog um, uh, genres are everywhere, and there are new ones being created all the time. Uh, and just showing those that kind of material to learners, and then saying, "Okay, now it's your turn. You do yours." Uh, I just think that that has to make sense um, pedagogically. Um, I don't know if you agree, but that seems to me the totally. way we should be going. Oh, forward. completely. Yeah. No. I, I, th- I think one of the most powerful things I remember speaking to. Uh, uh, a student, a guy I know in Mexico, uh, he's a business guy, and he went and did a, a, an English course, and he said one of the most powerful things he'd ever seen in his life was at the beginning of his course, they sat him down and they recorded him. They videoed him answering a series of questions and talking about things in English. And at the end of the course, they did the same thing. They videoed him again, same questions, same topic, and then they made him watch both yeah. to see where he might have done better or worse or improved or not. And he said it was the most powerful, like tangible learning thing. Like it felt visible, like what was, what was going on really good. That's really interesting. That reminds me of that. That's, that's a very interesting little anecdote. It reminds me of something I used to do in class with, with kind of celebrities, but the celebrities who were not known for language learning, but you know, people like, I was thinking about footballers, um, Fernando Torres, one of the, the uh-huh. who you, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Who, yeah. and then watch him and on YouTube and actually watch him and his first interviews in English in the sort of press room. And then like five yeah. years later and see how, it, and then show that to students. And they like amazed because they suddenly see these kind of stars as language learners, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and it's incredibly motivating for them <laughs> and interesting for them. Yeah. And, and, and then they sort of say, oh, yeah, but, you know, I can, I can speak better English than Fernando Torres, but then let's see how he's improved. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's, what YouTube, that's what YouTube can give us, that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's just a question of um, experimenting and looking at what's available out there. Uh, the other thing which I love and I think may, which I love working with and I think may there may be a lot of future in, is this whole idea of comments, the whole, because people often just ignore the whole comments idea in YouTube, but they say, you know, it's, you know, it's full of, uh, you know, chance to troll people. Absolutely. And you have to filter all that, of course. But that is, of course, a great way that people interact with each other in English very often and exploiting those comments and getting learners commenting on each other's videos, commenting on videos in general, uh, answering comments that they see online, all that kind of thing is a very important way that you can combine uh, you know, image and text. So yeah. I think that's also an interesting... And so basically uh, what you're saying, that the, the future of the course book is that it will be based around a video-based online blog and papers going completely... I don't think he said that. <laughs> I throw in a controversial statement at the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, well, no, what I'm saying, I think what, what is interesting, though, and I'll finish with this, is that a lot of people are sort of saying that, you know, it's video, what's, what, yes, is that this is what's happening. We're all communicating by video. We're all communicating by the visual image. Uh, 
And no, I don't think that's true. I think it's exactly the whole multimodality thing. That's the fascinating thing. All these kind of immersive kind of landscapes online where there's audio, there's video, there's links, there's, you know, you can access it and, and customize it and become immersed in it. You know, there's so many different kind of environments like that now where the text and the image are kind of complementary. Uh, and that's, I think, another area which we need to explore in the future. So it's not the end of the text at all. <laughs> More like kind of the way it's that the text, text and text the image... Text 2.0. <laughs> Exactly, the way they work together, I think that that is, yeah, I think that is also another very interesting avenue to explore in the future. Thank you very much, Ben. I think we're coming to the end here of our of our episode on film and video. Um, thanks very much, Ben, for joining us. A pleasure to talk with you as always. Thank you very much, Ben. Thank you. Any of our listeners, if you do get a chance to hear Ben talk about video, he does lots of conferences. So definitely, if you're at a conference, you see his name on the program, do seek him out. He has a lot of interesting things to say about video images and the rest of it. Is your website um, bengoldstein.es, Ben? That's it, yeah. I'll put it on the show notes. And oh, no, just to plug again, because I, I really do like the book, Language Learning with Digital Video is the book that we kind of referenced a little bit during the talk, and it's well worth checking out if you can find it and you're interested in both exploiting and creating video. It takes a lot of these themes and, and shows you how to do a lot of these things that we talked about a lot further. I, I really liked. I'm going to pop quiz you to finish with both. Uh, we mentioned okay. great. We mentioned Grapevine, uh, and there was a there was a part that we talked about Dennis Cook, but who were the stars of A Weekend Away and A Week by the Sea? Oh, those are two other oh, ELT whoa. videos, aren't they? A yeah, Weekend they're Away. also in the same same series of the Grapevine idea. Oh um, my gosh! There you go. So no, I'll, no leave, idea. I'll, leave that, I'll leave that one hanging. Someone, for one of our listeners will know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so thanks, about Anyway, I'll say goodbye and I'll leave you there. Bye. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Everybody. As your commute is coming to an end, here's an idea you can take into your class. In the episode, we talked about vox pops and creating videos. A vox pop is the opinion of a person usually recorded on audio or video used in broadcasting. We can create them as a way of further practicing language. Draw up a list of questions that the students could talk about. Questions beginning with what, why and how work best. For example, why do you like learning English? What's the best thing about your town, city? Go into class, put the students into small groups and give them the questions. Ask them to speak together answering the questions. They should try and give their answers for a minute. This acts as rehearsal time. When the students are confident, Ask them to take out their mobile phones and record each other answering one of the questions. Regroup the students and ask the new groups to play their recordings. The students should watch and decide if they agree or disagree with the opinions in the recording. If you have permission, you could collect the recordings and put them on the school's website or media channel. You could also repeat the activity later in the course so that the students can compare their recordings and see how much they've improved. You can find the instructions for these activities at our website, www.tefelcommute.com. You've been listening to The Tefl Commute, an original podcast produced and presented by Lindsay Clanfield, Sean Wilden and James Taylor. Don't miss out on any episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes and by visiting us 
at www.tefelcommute.com. Thank you.